And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino and Rudolph. NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the traps all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the All right, draft. this time next week, Cowboys fans will have the newest draft class of Dallas Cowboys. Who's it going to be? One more podcast here to preview it all. Make sure you're tuned in on Thursday, though, to the Athletics NFL Draft coverage on the Athletic Football Show's YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the Athletic Football Show on YouTube. Follow us, Dame Brugler, Robert Mays, Nate Tice, live covering the draft. We've got Saad back from Minnesota. Preview it all with us. And from the Athletic, Father John Mishoda. But back in the hosting chair. Missed him last week, but he's back this week. Kevin KT Turner, my draft buddy. What's going on, Kevin? Guys, it's uh, that time. It's so good. Missed you guys last week, but I thought the episode with Broadus was outstanding. And I'm glad to be here. I have a lot of thoughts. Got a lot of thoughts. A lot of stuff, uh, you know, happening in the in the league in general. The NFC's wide open, my friends. Let's go get it. Uh, we got a few topic ideas that we're just going to kind of slam through regarding the draft. Um, Kent doing his job as producer, as always, coming up with great ideas as well. Uh, we've all played around with mocks. We've been talking about it. Now it's like, let's just get down to it. Um, let's start with you, John. Best case scenario for pick number 26. And let me preface this by saying, when you pick 26, it means your roster is pretty good already. It also kind of means that when you're talk- talking about a best case scenario, it almost becomes like a matter of taste between people, I think. Yeah, the guilty pleasure uh, aspect of it too, yeah. Yeah, there could be something there. So uh, for you, John, what is your best case scenario at pick number 26? Yeah, it's B. John Robinson. If, if somehow he was Let's to go. fall Woo. to 26, I just think that that would be such a home run, um, not only because it's a position that they can use, but I can just see him making a huge impact immediately. And not only just on offense, but defensively, just the level of play, I think it would raise the entire team by just adding him to the offense. Uh, I think it could be the type of missing piece that would put you over the top. Now, with that being said, I'm saying that at 26. I'm not talking about trading up. I'm saying if he keeps falling, he keeps falling. Teams are scared of taking running back high in the first round. Teams have other needs, want to do other things. And then all of a sudden you just wind up and somehow, some way, B. John Robinson's there for you. I, I, I don't think you can come up with a better scenario than that. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the, the, the idea, I've, I've almost talked myself out of it. And the truth is I have to remind myself every year is that we don't know anything. And that's how Trayvon Diggs gets to the second round, right? But... I've talked myself out of him being like a realistic um, possibility there, but it is very possible that there is a groundswell of the entire league going, well, we're just not taking running backs that very high. And he does get in that, that area. Um, now, John, what were the Jerry Jones? Like he made some comments today about Zeke from 2016. And I just kind of wondered like, what is that about? <laughs> like why now? Yeah. Uh, and, and what's the, like, I don't know. It seems weird. Yeah, I don't know if he – that's the thing with Jerry. You can interpret it whatever way you want. I was told that that's not what he meant, that it wasn't 2016. And and, and and in saying that, I meant he wasn't saying that they shouldn't have drafted Zeke at where they did in the top five or that they wouldn't do that over again. I think what he meant is that it got too high in terms of his cost and what they ended up paying him on that second contract. Ah. Uh, but believe me, the way he said it, he left it open for interpretation that basically, you know, saying something along the lines of 
if you go with the way the conversation was going with Stephen Jones talking, Mike McCarthy and such, that it was him saying that that was too high to take a running back. I was told after by a member of the PR staff that that's not what he meant. What he meant was giving him the second contract. Um, and so that would make more sense because I don't see how they would really have a lot of uh, regrets on what they did in 2016. It was giving the the, the new deal uh, to a position that, let's be honest, there just aren't many teams that just have one running back anymore. And they gave a lot of money expecting Zeke to be the same Zeke he was in 2016, 2017, and 2018. That clearly wasn't the case. But I don't think that if the Cowboys had a top five pick this year, they would take Bijan Robinson in the top five. The reason I think it's a dream scenario for the Cowboys is because they're at 26. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, can you just imagine a 2016 draft if if they were picking at 26 and they got Zeke at 26? I mean, nobody yeah. would even hesitate or think twice about it. I just think it's the top five situation. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, they've set themselves up very nicely in this draft to not have any major glaring needs. But if I'm drafting in the top five, and especially now you're looking at, let's say three of the other picks are quarterbacks, I got my chance to add, you know, like Will Anderson or something. Yeah, DN isn't my biggest need, but but my God, why wouldn't you try and add that and then have this future well into the next decade of Will Anderson on one side and Micah Parsons on the other. But, you know, that's 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 a totally different conversation because obviously somebody like that isn't going to be there at 26, whereas... I'm telling you, Bijan, it's unlikely, but I can just see, man, when we do these mock drafts through the athletic, we're doing, we're in the middle of one right now. I think we're on pick 15 where every writer that covers every team is picking for their teams. I'm telling you, there's not a lot of teams that sit there and and running back is this glaring need, especially in the top 15. So next thing you know, he's there at 20. I think the biggest concern would be him falling outside the top 20 and some team trading up to jump over the Cowboys knowing, Hey, if he gets a 26, they're going to take him. I think that's more uh, of a concern than maybe some people are talking about right now. But the idea that Bijan could fall out of the top 15, I don't think that that's the craziest possible scenario. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's crazy at all, but I think, you know, that's, you know, you talk about once he falls out of the top 20, some team going up to get him. Like, I don't know if the Cowboys are that team, you know, given what they have in terms of draft capital and stuff. And if they want to, and on top of that, you know, I, I thought I thought it was interesting. I'm sure we're going to get to this in more detail here in a second. But Stephen Jones said, "What they have like 15 guys that he has first round grades on, and they're picking 26." So, you know, if you get to a point in the draft where, <clears throat> you know, you're you're sitting at 26 and you got one or two guys left with first round grades in the early 20s, do you consider what the asking price is for that package to, you know, move up a few picks and get someone that you have a true first round? Uh, great on as opposed to and if Bijan is that guy then do you do that and so I, I think it's I, I think that could be an interesting thing too I don't think the Cowboys will trade up for him but given that they they have less first round grades in terms of as opposed to picks in front of them you know it wouldn't surprise me yeah Steven said 15 to 18 first round grades potentially I think he was just trying to be coy so not to give anything away <laughs> I would think it'd be closer to 15 than to 18. I believe they had 14 last year. Tyler Smith, who they obviously took, uh, was a second-round grade. They didn't have first-round grade on him, and he certainly has performed like a first-round player. So um, I don't think that they'll have any issues of, of sitting there at 26. Now, hey, there's always perfect scenarios where you can get completely wiped out and you can be in a tough spot. But, um, uh, you know, Stephen talked about today a, a time when they got completely wiped out, literally three picks in a row right before their pick was about to happen was in 2014 and so they were just forced to suffer with through a guy by the name of Zach Martin and let's (laughs) let's be honest in two years ago they wanted Patrick Sertan and if they couldn't get him they wanted JC Horn and so they were wiped out there and they had to settle for Micah Parsons so it might not be the worst thing what about you Saad best case scenario for you at 26 and uh you know just to keep it creative I would say don't say Bijan (laughs) yeah no for sure yeah I think I, I think best case scenario for me is I think I would go with anybody on uh, like anybody in that place, and and you know I, I've been peeling through the beast recently, and I haven't and I haven't really gotten through all the way, but um, I would say interior offensive lineman. If there's somebody there, I I would like to see that. Um, I I really would not like to see tight end. So I think you know to answer your question in a different way, um, I, I would like to see interior offensive lineman. It would be best case scenario. 
I think it's important for, um, you know, given all the skill positions that they, all the skills that they do have filled out, especially after the acquisitions of Cooks and, you know, everything, and Tony Pollard going to come back and everything. I, I would like to see interior offensive linemen addressed a little bit. Um, and if I'm not going with Bijan, that's probably my best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's interesting because I'm a guy who has been pretty open about they're going to sit here and tell you, although the, in a confusing manner given how many cooks are always in the kitchen with this team, but they're going to tell you what they're kind of doing on the offensive line. You kind of figure that out, and you realize that they will probably end up moving Terrence Steele back to right tackle and how that's all going to go down. But I I would like to hear them give me a good, clean, clear-cut plan, and maybe, John, you could help me with this. What is their plan if Tyron gets hurt or when Tyron gets hurt, because you can tell us that, oh, here's our uh, line. We got a, you know, Hall of Fame caliber guy, left tackle, Tyron Smith, and Tyler Smith, the left guard. You can tell me that, and that's great. And then what happens? Because we know that he's not going to play a full year, and that's fine. Like, we know what it is. We've accepted that money's on the roster. But what happens after that? And that's where I kind of. I, I start opening my eyes to offensive lineman possibilities at 26 and kind of being truly happy with that. Yeah, and they could they could very well do that. Um, as they sit here today, uh, if they had to start the season today without a draft, uh, I think that Tyron Smith would be your starting right tackle and then Tyler Smith would be your starting left tackle. So uh, if Tyron goes down in the first quarter, then that's when Terrence Steele would come in and play right tackle. And... If Tyron Smith stays healthy for 17 games, then Terrence Steele is your swing tackle. I They've mentioned Terrence Steele as a possibility getting some work at left guard. I don't see that happening. Um, I think it'll be between right now Chuma Adoga, who they signed in free agency, and then they've talked about uh, getting Josh Ball work on the interior. Uh, Mike McCarthy said today he thinks Josh Ball work more uh, on the interior than the on, on the outside, which obviously he was drafted as an offensive tackle in the fourth round in 2021. So those are kind of their fill in the gaps right there at left guard. I don't think they want to do too much moving outside of that. And so that's why, you know, to Saad's point, it makes sense to, you know, add a left guard that you think could potentially, you know, come in right away and play. The, the issue I have with that is that I just don't know that there's anybody in this draft at left guard that's really worthy of 26. It just seems like, you know, left guard is, you know, it's just, it's just not tackle, you know, it just, it doesn't have the same value. And there just isn't a Zach Martin in this class or somebody that you put on that, on that level, I guess that Peter Skronsky, maybe, you know, I know he's got a little bit of tackle slash guard, but he, he's not falling to 26. So at 26, you're looking at like Osiris Torrance or Steve Avila from TCU. And I, I don't know. I just think that's kind of early for either of them. And so they could end up in a situation where, they don't take a left guard in the first round because they don't see the value there. But then all the ones that they really like that could step in and be immediate starters are gone by a time it gets to 58 uh, with them in the second round. And then what happens? Then are, are you all of a sudden reaching for somebody? Are you reaching for somebody in, in, if you don't get one by the third, fourth, fifth round? You know, um, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should reach for need. I, I think you should uh, take the best players available. And if you don't have a guard that comes out of this draft, then kick the tires on some free agents and, and try and patch it together. Basically how you've patched together defensive tackle with bringing in a Jonathan Hankins and doing some moves like that. You, you got to figure it out. That just, I mean, but just to reach for one, just to fill a position that to me, that gets into the taco Charlton, Tristan Hill situation. And I, I, I just yeah. don't like that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, you know, we get the feeling they like Darnell, right. But they like him at tackle. You know, uh, the feeling that they like um, Steve Avila. That feels a little early for Steve Avila. And obviously, we do this every year. Like, trading back would be cool. Well, you know, what if Anthony Richardson's on the board, a team gets hungry in the second round, wants to jump, jump up and, and work with you to move back? Yeah, that'd be great. But those are all just kind of things that you can't really know right now. Uh, just to kind of keep the conversation going. And I, again, at 26, I'm not sure that I can tell you here, clear cut, best case scenario, without it being just uh, here's a name that slid real far that you thought was going to go 10, 12 picks earlier. I am a fan of it 26, and granted, I'm a positional value guy. I am a fan of cornerback if something is there, if maybe Deontay Banks is there. Um, I don't see Joey Porter getting to you, but maybe he does. Uh, how far does 
You know, it feels like Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter are probably going to go. Maybe Deontay Banks you can put, you know, in that circle. And that's where I kind of end up like that is an interesting thing because for two reasons. A, we know Stephon Gilmore is not a long-term fix. B, it gives you an option. Not that you would even have to even deal with it or discuss it right now, but if you didn't want to, go pay top dollar for Trayvon Diggs. Maybe you're like, okay, asset-wise, I'm going to pay CeeDee Lamb, I'm going to pay Micah Parsons. And maybe there's a world where you can pay everyone by getting creative with the cap. But it gives you like a bit of a thing where you can go, well, I don't have to. It kind of just gives you some leverage if that guy hits. I think back to the Byron Jones draft a little bit, where I don't think, you know, I mean, the, the Byron Jones probably went where he was supposed to go in that draft. Um, but... You know, I don't know if they thought he would be there when they were picking. I think that was the 27th pick that year. I think they kind of thought he might be gone at that point. And I don't remember if they had a first-round grade on him or not. Um, cornerback is an interesting thing for me because even though immediately you might not go Stephon Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs, and we think we got Deron Bland and Jordan Lewis or whoever can handle the slot, you might feel good about it, but you're in a world where Stephon Gilmore is probably not here next year. And I, I do like looking forward ahead a little bit. The other thing is you could talk me into wide receiver. Um, I'm not a huge Quentin Johnston fan. Um, I want more of the let's be a separator, let's be a get open type of guy. And I know he's had some drops. Zay Flowers is fun to me. Um, And when you brought Brandon Cooks in, that kind of helped you out. And it's kind of the same discussion I just had about cornerback with wide receiver. So that's where I'm at. Give me some hey. something on hey, the well- outside. When we were when we were talking to Mike McCarthy uh, briefly after the press conference was over. There's a group of reporters, uh, just real quick. It was like maybe a minute. And, uh, so, you know, people are throwing out questions, trying to pry, like, you know, about looking at mock drafts and he, cause he said that he's working on some, they were working on some simulations and things like that and how they've, he's already gone through several mock drafts. And so right when he was about to walk away, somebody goes, so who'd you take in the first round of the very last mock you did? And he, you know, just tried to blow it off and he goes, Big guy, real big guy, and just walked away. And I go, well, I guess Zay Flowers is out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It won't be him. <laughs> Can I give you a an outside kind of weird best case scenario? Yeah. Sure. Jalen Carter falling to 26. It does. I mean, look, it is interesting. How many teams are going to take him off their board completely? A few. Half the league? No. A few? It's interesting because the thing, you know how the NFL works. More teams are concerned about like probably his weight and all that stuff more than the actual incident, which seems wild, but you know. I'm going to say is right now, when you show up to your pro day overweight and you can't finish the drills, that's that's so bad. That's not great. These pro days are set up as layups for you just to like do whatever drill is going to make you look good. I mean, 99% of these pro days, you know, whatever the top pick is, it's just, oh, look great. Well, look great, Ben. Look well. To be overweight Sounds and you like couldn't finish me, the John. drills. Well, well this, it so that, like all right, well, that's a slider to me. Uh, okay. And that's what it sounds like to you. To me, it sounds like a guy that, cool. You get, you handed him a jersey. How many times does he play on Sunday? Is he in shape to play on Sunday? Is he? Are we sitting here in, in like week eight and it's like, well, he's inactive because he's not even one of our top four defensive tackles because he's out of shape. He doesn't show up late to meetings and stuff like that. Then what did you get out of it? I mean, you have well, to factor was, those things in too. Well, they they would take him thinking, you know, they that uh, they know some things that the, about that, obviously. But um, do they know some stuff about Calvin Joseph? I mean, Surely that's what I'm saying. They, I mean, you're like, you're, they, I mean, do you think that they feel like we use his tech round pick and Kelvin Joseph and we're getting our money's worth right now because he's sweet on special teams for a handful of plays? Well, this, I don't know. Jalen Carter is just, so many people have said he's the best player they've scouted, you know, all that kind of, so many people have him as number one. Oh, they say that about like Jalen Carter? Or, 26. Right. Are they saying that about Jalen Carter or are they saying that about Jamarcus Russell? Because you could have Jamarcus Russell at one. You can have Jamarcus Russell at 26, 52. I'll give you, I'll give you Jamarcus Russell as an undrafted rookie free agent. 
he's not even beating out Cooper Rush because he can't, you know, so there's, it's the, are you even going to get anything? And I'm saying this because, man, I'm telling you, you're talking to somebody with some experience here. All right. You can use a Jeffrey Akuda, top five pick. He brings absolutely nothing. And you're trading him and you're getting a fifth back for him. You, 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 then you, you, you package some stuff together. You go up and you get a Jamison Williams. And it's like, well, if it's not the injury, now it's this gambling thing. And, of course, there's plenty of things you can criticize about the gambling policy. He, I guess he didn't even bet on football. It was something he was just in the facility and stuff like that. But there becomes a point where, like, yes, these players are amazing and they're great if they're on the field. But I need to know, are they going to be on the field? Because there's plenty of times where, like, Tristan Hill's not even active and you're just kind of like, you can't even get active. This team doesn't even have good defensive tackles. We're just actually asking yeah. to be active. So there is, there's a difference between, am I going to get a Pro Bowl performance or can I just get any performance? Cause I'm just, I'm hoping that you can be one of the 53 guys, you know, and that's where if he falls all the way to 26, then there's some serious concerns. Cause he obviously on tape has talent of where you could arguably say he's the best player in the draft. But then all of a sudden, if he's out of the league in two years, was it really worth it? You didn't get anything at all. If that's the case, give me, just a run-of-the-mill tight end. At least he's still on my team seven, eight years from now. So that's my issue with the whole Jalen Carter thing. Because I'm seriously, as a Lions fan, not even interested in Jalen Carter at six. So, I mean, 26 is very Jerry Jones. If he was there, yeah, let's pull the trigger. But there's also a part of you where you look back and you're like, well, did you even get what we want? Like, was it even worth 26? Like, did we even get anything that, you know, we didn't even get to a second contract because he was, I'll give, I'll give you honestly, a, a, like a guy that, and I, I'm not saying I'm not comparing them other than the fact that they both play the same positions, but like, man, do you remember when the Cowboys like had interest in Malik McDowell and then he fell to the second round and it's like Seattle took him because Seattle, you know, will take certain guys thinking that, yeah, no, we'll get the best. And you get nothing out of Malik McDowell. He didn't do anything for you. And sure. so that's the, that's the part that makes me a little nervous with somebody like Jalen Carter. But I, even with that, I don't, I don't see him falling out of the top 15. Yeah, and also like I, I think yeah. I think Randy Gregory is like another kind of like example of that where it did end up panning out. But it's like you know you have all that talent, and I know it's a second round pick. But if you're just not able to get on the field, stay on the field, then all that talent, like every time he flashed, then he was suspended for whatever. So and and, and you know you talk about showing up to your pro day that way. Like Randy Gregory showed up to you know the combine and failed drug tests. Like again, a, a layup type situation. Um, and then, you know, fortunately for him, he figured it out at the end and all that stuff. But, um, but like you said, availability is the best ability. So if you're not able to be there, then really what's the point? Sure. Damn good player. He's a defensive tackle around here too. Hey, <laughs> Kalaja. Well, I mean, we could, uh, we'll stay I'll, I'll try to stay actually kind of close to our template here because I, I kind of think we're, we're going to do good there, but there's a player that's interesting at that position. Uh, worst case scenario at twenty six for you, John. Jalen Carter. No, <laughs> no. Um, I don't think that that would be the worst. Um, I'm literally when I was thinking about him, another guy I was thinking about was uh, remember Nick Fairley. Yeah, you know, I mean, helps Auburn oh, wow. win Auburn, the national yeah. championship. Yeah. And then he goes and he and he's and he's picked thirteenth uh, overall and. I mean, SEC Defensive Player of the Year, the just Lion, a dominant right? defensive tackle. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I can't even think of one memorable game that he that he had for them. And and keep in mind too, you just thought, oh, this is going to be so dominant because they're about to pair him with Indomitian Sue. And wasn't he, he more like a see. run stop guy though? He had just six like sacks in twenty. He had six sacks in twenty thirteen, and he didn't even make it to a fifth year. And then he was already in St. Louis and he played one other year with New Orleans and that was 2016 and, and he was no longer in the league. So yeah, 13th overall pick Nick Fairley. That's what, that's one of those that made me think of, I mean, again, yeah. like it's like all the talents there, but like, is the, is the player going to produce on Sundays? You know, I, it's not even the off the field stuff as much as it is the, do they love football? Do they care about football? And I'm sorry, but you can raise those questions when you show up overweight to your pro day and you can't finish drills. How much do you even care about football? And because, you know, when you're in college, you can be a dominant beast in college for eight to 10 games and you're fine. Good to go. But like in the NFL, like you really can't even take a week off. Like they need you every single week to be dominant. You know, they need you to be uh, a guy that are getting some from throughout the entire season. And so I don't know. There's just a lot of concerns I have in, in him right now. 
if there was anyone who could get him going, you, you kind of go, okay, well, maybe Dan Quinn could do the job here, right? And that's where you kind of look at what you have from a, uh, you know, your foundation. You have that to handle something like that. That's where I kind of go with Jalen Carter. Like, very, very interesting. Bust potential for sure. Like every first-round defensive tackle almost. I mean... I feel like a lot of teams between 1 and 26 are going to have, if not their head coach, members of their coaching staff that are going to be like, no, 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 give him... Give him Jim and he'll fix it. I mean, like I can fix him. Remember, remember the Tristan Hill, yeah, you know, Rod Marinelli stuff. There was a lot of talk like, oh, he'll get this right, you know. Like, there's sure. a lot of like, oh, Pete Carroll will will get Jalen Carter right and everything like that. And it's like, <laughs> okay, if you say so. I mean, if you think well, so. Let's I mean, go. But all these guys have for all the hits, they have just as many misses, you know. Like, obviously, Dan Quinn really liked Kelvin Joseph. There's no way they're taking Kelvin Joseph because Dan was like, no, nah, I don't know about this. I mean, let's be honest here. Dan had to really want Kelvin Joseph. <laughs> let's have a little fun here then, real quick. Let's do that. Side you can play too. Okay. You've got Jalen Carter on the board at 26. You've got Kalijah Cansey of Pittsburgh, who you like a little bit. You've probably got Carter graded higher, but you got the red flags there. But you've decided it's going to be one of these two guys. We need help on the D-line. We're making that move. What's your pick? I mean, obviously, I'm taking Cansey after everything I just said, just because, again, what what his ceiling might just be solid NFL starter, whereas Carter's ceiling is Pro Bowl, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. So I don't, but I also feel more confident that I can count on Cansey to be there for several years, and he could be a, a foundational piece that I can continue to build around. So again, at 26, I don't feel like I'm really, I don't know, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think I, I think I would probably go with Jalen Carter in that situation, just because it's not because uh, it, it's because of Micah Parsons. Like when you have when you have some stuff in the in the toolbox already at that point, I think you can take a little bit more of the gambles. Whereas if you're trying to fill out like you know, if you asked me the same question two three years ago when we were talking about corners and you talked about a high potential corner versus just a solid, remember we were talking about do you go for a guy that is a playmaker versus a Byron Jones type? who basically just is solid reliable, which is basically what you're kind of presenting in this situation. Um, When you have a couple of guys that, you know, you feel confident in and there are, it's not just Micah. There's a couple of guys on that defensive front that I feel that are, you know, Micah is going to be a, Micah is a superstar. And then there's a few guys that are decent. If I can, if I can take a lottery ticket on Jalen Carter and go for it, then I would, I would do that in that situation, especially at 26. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, Going back to the worst-case scenario, though, I would say, I was going to say, like, I really don't love the receivers outside of Jordan Edison and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So if they were to still take a receiver there, I wouldn't love that. I don't love mm-hmm. the idea of Drew Sanders. Um, and I, and I think that could be a potential possibility there. Um, I'm just trying to think of like mock drafts that I've seen, um, you know, some names of, of, of guys. Um, you wouldn't be happy with Zay Flowers, John? I would not, no. Hmm, what about is, is it the slot show, thing? Yeah, show me, show me who's the last uh, smaller receiver that um, made a huge impact with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Cole. Right? Uh, there you go. Perfect. Thank you. That's the only one I can think of. You saw what you got from Cole Beasley. It was Cole Beasley ever worthy of a first round pick? No, 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 no. Zay Flowers no, in the I, second I, round. Yeah, I got you. But first round. I, I, I'm just not, I can't do that. Sorry. I, I think the drops size. are the issue with me with Zay Flowers more than the size and the redundance. Oh, no. Although team, you should, team, team has a factor. I'm telling you, team has a factor. Believe me. Am I drafting yeah. for the Cowboys or am I drafting for the Chiefs? If I'm drafting for the Chiefs, oh, for sure. Zay Flowers, let's go, let's dance. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying, Buffalo, I just haven't right seen this you. team <laughs> really utilize a smaller receiver like that like you see some other teams do that. And so because of that, I don't have as much interest in it because I'm just kind of be like, is this another training camp where I write a story about how they're going to go deep to Cole Beasley this season? And then the season starts and they never throw deep to Cole Beasley one single time. Or, well, the time they did, he didn't come down with it. That's the the big issue for me, really. The one time they threw it downfield to Cole Beasley. Um, Now, what did you think uh, KT of Brada saying he would walk out of the room if they drafted Van Ness at 26? <laughs> I mean, the thing about Van Ness is interesting. Like, I don't think Van Ness is a bad player. Now, Van Ness is uh, one of those things that's like, you've been told this guy is really good, and then everyone might think a little bit different about him. Because I do agree that any top 15 chatter about Lucas Van Ness seems kind of crazy. But you people are going to like glob, uh, glob onto the fact that he didn't start and all that stuff, but he played more snaps than anyone else at Iowa in those years. Like he was on the field. Like if you've anything, like we go to the Jalen Carter thing, how many snaps did Jalen Carter play? Like he started 13 games in a three-year career. He's got, you know, and he wasn't playing a lot of snaps uh, by definition of top 10 pick that you would want. Now that's the defensive tackle position a little bit. I thought that was an interesting take. I wouldn't walk out of the room if they took him at 26. Um, I'm, and I'm not opposed to, what are we doing? Are we going to take a pass rusher at 26? I'm on board. One thing that I I feel like evaluating, like, of course I want Micah Parsons rushing the passer as much as possible. I also want Micah Parsons as healthy as possible in the playoffs. And I think using him primarily as a pass rusher all year long wore him down. I don't even know that. I think that he said it, you know? So I don't have a problem with, like, if we cut back in the regular season, Micah Parsons' pass rush snaps a little bit, and he's playing more traditional linebacker just a little bit, a little bit more, because when playoff time comes, I need him rushing the passer all the time at 100%. And that's where I kind of go, I'm not opposed to always have Has Dorrance Armstrong and Sam Williams done enough to go, we don't need to worry about a pass rusher. We know they brought back Dante Fowler. This is likely the last year with Tank, although, you know, that that's definitely unwritten. But you can talk me into pass rusher. If Lucas Van Ness is there at 26, I think I'd take him. Depending who's on the board. Yeah, when you look at a lot of mock drafts, it seems like Anderson, Nolan Smith, and Tyree Wilson are the three guys that are like top 15, aren't getting out of the top 15 for sure type guys. 
And then after that, you can kind of take your pick at a few guys there in the early 20s, mid 20s. If you want yeah, Van Ness is one of them. tier of edge rusher. Another one is Miles Murphy from Clemson. Yeah. Um, uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State, who, yeah. uh, you, you know, he's another one that kind of like the Sam Williams thing. You know, Dan Quinn went and worked out, was at his pro day. So there's always those connections there. Um, but no, they certainly could take an edge rusher at, at, at 26. Absolutely. No, they, there, there's, there's no reason why that, that should be completely eliminated. That's the thing with Drew Sanders is like, is if, if you have a plan where you're going to, he's going to have some pass rush there too. I can, I can get a little bit more interested in that, but I just, the, if they're just drafting him just to be an off the ball linebacker, I just, I, I don't love that idea. I feel like you can find something more impactful. I want to be quick here, but like the draft machine is so insane you know, that you end up like you have a take on something. The first round is literally, maybe a little bit of the second round, but the only time where you could start like him and hauling over a pick difference of 15 to 20 picks. Like yeah. it, round four, round five, it doesn't matter. But it's okay to go, I don't want Will McDonald at 26 and him get drafted at 41 and be awesome. That's okay. Like yeah. that's a, that's a thing about like the context here, but you do have these like pencil thin, like, you know, you know, little areas of difference where you're like, okay, well, this is where I would kind of lean here. That's where I kind of go with Will McDonald. I think Will McDonald's a good player. I think taking him at 26 is not great. I think if he went at 45, that's awesome. And I think you're high-fiving if you get him at 60. And that's like a, the hard part about discussing the draft in general, right? Is like, you have all these hot takes, but so much can get pulled out of context when you're like, we really are talking about a razor edge thin margin here for some of these players. And that's where, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I kind of get annoyed with how the draft machine can get, can get like hot takey. And you're like, well, I didn't say he was a bad player. I said, I don't want him at 26. Steve Avila could be an awesome pro bowler. I don't want him at 26. Yeah. I think the only, the only position where I, I kind of make an exception for that is quarterback. Like if you feel like you yeah. have the guy, if you've, if you feel like you got the guy, like you, that you don't, even in the first round or second round, you don't kind of like, you know, bush around it for, oh, I like him at, I like him at five or I like him at 10, but not at five. Like if you like him at 10, then you like him at five, like just go get him. Um, I, I think quarterback is the only position where it's like, if, if you trust your scouting, then you go get the guy. But otherwise I agree with you. I think in the first two rounds, um, you know, you, you do have to play like the draft slot with it. Uh, worst case scenario for you, uh, Saad. Um, I think, I think for me, like it, it's any running back that's not B. John Robinson. Uh, I don't think that they would do that, but again, we're talking worst case scenario. I don't really know what else, like, you know, because this team doesn't have any glaring needs. I don't really, I don't really have any, um, you know, uh, you know, one single position or one player or anything like that, that kind of stands out to me, but it's like, you know, Tony Pollard is coming off the injuries playing on a franchise tag. And if they feel like, okay, we still want to have another running back in the bank for potentially next year, if Tony Pollard doesn't come back after next year, then I still don't really think that running back, again, going going off of your conversation about 26, like if they draft that same running back in the second round or third round, I'm fine with that if you're grooming a second, third round guy for you know the succession plan to Tony Pollard. But anybody but Bijan Robinson at running back at 26 would, would be worst case scenario. Can you imagine them taking Hendon Hooker at 26? Just <laughs> how crazy everything would get. There's a lot of chatter about him in the first round today, man. Seems like a Brandon Whedon all over again, right? Could you just imagine how insane everything would be? You know, that probably needs to stop any any first round chatter about Hendon Hooker. I mean, hey, man, go get your money. But that's a second round, third round type of guy. You're not taking... If anyone takes Hendon Hooker on day one, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Yeah, you um, say that, man, but who knows with quarterbacks, man? It's so hard to project what any of these people guys are going to be. People love those 25-year-old QBs coming off a big knee injury. I mean, come on. I mean, I got red flags for days here, man. I, I get um, it, man, but I just don't think anybody would have sat there before the draft, during the draft, after the draft, and said, yeah, no, man, this hurts, kid. One day he'll be getting – he's going to get like $51 million a year. Like, sure. there's just no way anybody would have said that. And and, well, and I like using him as an example 
because he played on so many big stages in college. So even if you don't have to be, oh, I watched the draft. You've seen him play so many times. And there were, there were definitely times that you've seen him play where you're like, yeah, he'll probably be a career NFL backup. You know, you'd never thought that he would gonna ha- he was going to have NFL success, you know? So I just, I don't know, man. It's tough. Yeah, that's my worst case scenario is if, is if they took Hooker or Hainer or something at 26. But um, like my realistic worst case scenario, and then I want to say something about quarterbacks because you got my mind going on something, John. <laughs> Hooker, Hooker at 26 probably is the worst case scenario. Yeah, realistic worst case scenario for me. And I know a lot of people love him. I don't, I, it's against everything. It's, I'm not me. even talking about the player. I'm talking about just how much chaos comes yeah. with it. You like, know, like, like uh, what? <laughs> Why did why are we bringing Cooper Rush back then? Like I don't, <laughs> yeah, like what's what was that about? Um, it's it's tight end and and it's nothing against the player. The Dalton Kincaid back situation bothers me, which to me I can't take a guy with a bad, bad back injury that's also a tight end in the first round. Michael yeah. Mayer, I just don't love it, and I know that's probably your Vegas odds favorite right now at twenty six. Is still Mike, Michael Mayer the tight end at Notre Dame? Michael Mayer to me is the exact opposite of everything I said about Jalen Carter. His floor is like I Doesn't see him exist. being with the I, oh, yeah. I see him being with the Cowboys for his floor is two contracts. I swear. I mean, outside of like injury, uh, now his ceiling. You know, like you could tell me like a Darnell Washington or a Dalton Kincaid have a higher ceiling. You know, especially in terms of like pass catcher putting up those big numbers. But his floor to me is just super high. That like. Yeah, you might look back and be like, yeah, was he really a first-round pick? Maybe this guy was like more of a second or third, but I don't think that you'd come back and be like, whoa, they got nothing out of that guy, you know? Do you, th- do you, think, they- do you think he's one of the 15 to 18, John? Um, if I he is, he if he is, he's probably one of the last ones in there. But yeah, I, I would have him somewhere. I bet you he's on their board somewhere similar to... Um, where Tyler Smith was, I think Tyler Smith was in that fourteen, sixteen range, something like that. I bet you, I bet you, he's somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I like you know I, when I when I talked about tight ends earlier, I, I just when you look at the overall like when you look at the history, and you know I, I think the jury is still out on Kyle Pitts because of the situation he's been in in Atlanta. But generally speaking, like tight ends don't really hit that much in the first round, and so for me. I'm just going based off of that. And I, you know, I remember Kyle Pitts was, was, you know, billed as a superstar talent and, and he still might be, because like I said, I'm, I'm not judging him based on what he's had to go through in Atlanta, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. If I was to take a tight end though, it would be Michael Mayer. Like that would be the only guy probably because again, like you said, I think his, he, he has a reliable floor and I don't know what his ceiling is going to be, but I also know that, um, in today's NFL, sure, it's it's nice if you could land a Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle, whatever. But you also can, if you have receivers, and if you have another tight end, if 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 one of your other guys, Hendershot, Ferguson, one of them, one of them really pans out as something, then you, if you can run a two tight end set with two receivers and a running back, like you're fine. So I don't think Michael Mayer ha- like is going to end up being Travis Kelsey, but I think he can easily end up being you know a, a good uh, part of a one two punch. The look, it's wild because like you want someone to me. If you're in the first round of tight end, I gotta know that you're a game changer a little bit. I don't know, maybe at 26, it's different, right? I was gonna say there's getting, uh, there's a good really good chance whoever they take at 26, you won't be. I mean, you really saying about Jalen Hyatt? Oh, they get Jalen no. Hyatt there. That's a game changer. No. Oh yeah, he's gonna go out there. I don't really like Jalen Hyatt. Also, though. hey, real quick, real quick, I gotta throw this in here. I like how so I had family in town uh, last week, and so I didn't get to make it out to. Uh, they had a Dak and, and Troy Aikman uh, were at the cancer uh, gala mm-hmm. that they do yearly. And so before it started, um, you know, they both were interviewed and stuff. And one of the storylines that came out of there was that, you know, the uh, coaching staff had reached out to Dak about, you know, a few receivers to look at their tape and that they might want him to call them or whatever like that, kind of what they did last year. Well, they did that last year and they got Jalen Tolbert. So it was just kind of funny that everyone's making yeah. the story. I'm just like, are you going to include Jalen Tolbert in there? And this has nothing to do with Dak. I mean, he's sure. he's a quarterback. He's not supposed to be evaluating players. But I'm just saying, like, it was just funny because that was a huge storyline last yeah. year. I remember it was, I mean, because it was interesting because you hadn't heard about that very much in the past from, let's say, with Romo or whatever, or even with Dak before that. But it's just funny that they're saying that now because I was thinking about it because when I was doing my, my final mock draft that just published this morning on The Athletic, 
um, you know, I started getting into like that fourth, fifth round and I hadn't drafted a receiver yet. And I'm like, I think they really want a receiver. I should give them one. And when you get in that fourth or fifth round, there's a part of me that's like, is this player even going to be better than Jalen Tolbert? Like, are you just drafting a guy just to fill out a need? Like, if you don't think that the player can come in and be impactful, like, why would you just go get another Jalen Tolbert? You have Jalen Tolbert, let him be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially because he was a third round pick last year that you considered in the second round. Now he's had a full season in the organization. I would think that he could probably be your number four receiver this year. I mean, I would, and if he can't, then wow, that's reevaluate the whole process. Let's call him wide receiver four and a half and just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the guy that's interesting to me is Josh Downs, and he was a visitor. Now, Josh Downs, he Huge. might be a tight guy. If you want him, you got to get him at 26. You know who he is to me? No way. He's he's Randall Cobb to me. A mm. little less explosive. Mike didn't even uh, take Randall Cobb in the first round. Yeah, exactly, right? But, the big uh, thing with Randall Carthy, Cobb, though, too, is that he could do so many things. You know, he could play him at quarterback a little bit. He could return punts. He could line him up all over the place. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it with these other guys, but, you know, Turpin. I'm just, I'll just put it you this way. I, I got to see a full year with Cavante Turpin, and I just didn't see all these creative ways that they were going to get him involved. So now, all of a sudden, now not Does to Mike say that call the offense, John? Yeah, play right, colors yeah. in L.A., Wait buddy. Wait see that creativity from, <laughs> from Watermelon Mike. Hey, well, if that's the case, then I guess you don't need one of these guys if you already got Turpin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see what... Oh, okay, Watermelon Mike's not his name. <laughs> okay. I have interest. Watch, dude, everything that's been complained about for the last three years with Kellen in week one, McCarthy's going to have that on the play sheet. Like... We're going to do all the stuff right there. We're going to have Pollard super involved. There will be no other running back. Yeah. Although Zeke's not here. So they, maybe, I, maybe I should be more optimistic about the play calling uh, going into the year. But I just don't love Mayer. And I know it's the, it's, it's this, it's the whole thing of like 4-8. I don't think he's as good of a blocker as everyone says he is. And you know what? He is super safe, right? So is Zach Martin. So maybe I'm an idiot. Do yeah. you hear Dane's pro comparison for... Michael Mayer, KT. Uh, n- no. Todd Heap. Wow, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen back away to Baltimore. I've, yeah. yeah, I saw Lance Lance Zerlane from uh, the NFL uh, NFL.com at his comp as Jason Witten. Okay. Because of yeah. I think I think between between reading some stuff like that and then also uh, Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame for the Athletic, wrote a big piece earlier. I want to say it was in November about how like Notre Dame has had a really strong tight end lineage in terms of not necessarily like pro stars, but like almost every year they, one of their starting tight ends is an NFL player. I mean, it, it goes back a long ways. It's been going on. And basically the story was about how mayor's the best out of all of them, even going back like to like 14 tight ends or something. It's like yeah, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah. And so one of the tight ends that is interviewed in the story is Tyler Eifert. Um, it's uh, Zach Martin's brother-in-law. He was, you know, he was pretty mm-hmm. good tight end at, at Notre Dame. First first round pick, I think, by Bengals made like one Pro Bowl. But he compared Mayer to how we're like with Rob Gronkowski, how no one would say Rob Gronkowski is like the best route runner, but he always knew how to use his leverage, which is that's exactly what it is with Jason sure. Witten, where it's almost like a basketball player. You know, you, you want that up, your defender to be close to you because you use your leverage to get open. I would say this from watching him. I, I do think the thing that's underrated about him is that he will go up and get it. You can throw it up to him and, and he'll actually, I mean, he's more athletic than you probably would give him credit for, but yeah, he's not going to be, you know, Travis Kelsey. He's not gonna be Rob Gronkowski, but I just think his floor is, is, is really high. And also I'm factoring in the fact that you're at 26. Cause I do think there's a good chance he's not even there at 26, but I'm also saying at 26. So to, to your point, KT, you said you're not, you don't really love it. I, I, I have a, I have a serious doubt that there's going to be this consensus love at 26. I just think whoever they take it, there's going to be plenty of people like, Ugh, I don't know yeah, about that. Sure. I mean, that was literally, that's what was Tyler Smith last year. You know where I have more of like a, first of all, I have a soft spot in my heart for Jake Ferguson. Cause I, I kind of mm-hmm. like the development there. Also, I really have fell in love with the Iowa tight end, Sam Laporta. And you know, we'll see. Uh, I yeah, think and you, you don't need to use say a, his window is 45 to 75, right? Yeah. You know, 
Um, for sure. The the other guy, I, that's the thing. I have more of like a, a, a difference in like Sam Laporta over. I don't like the Michigan guy, Shoemaker, but yeah, I you know Shoemaker's a bigger guy and things like that. So uh, I don't think if we're sitting it, here, there's, there's a it, if the if mayor buzz si- is real, right? Yeah, no. If we're sitting here with Jake Ferguson in this class because he played at Wisconsin last year, you're not even mentioning him. His name's not even being brought up. Sure. Doesn't, doesn't Luke um, Musgrave seem like a day two Cowboys pick? That just feels... It, it sounds like a country yeah, you, mu- it, music Like star. it's going to be... Yeah, it, it just feels... I just feel that in the ether somewhere. Yeah, I find... I feel like... What, I feel like with Musgrave, it's kind of like the Steve Avila guy well, from TCU, the guard slash center, where it's like, yeah, 26 is too high, but he ain't going to fall to 58 either. You know, it's yeah. kind of in that yeah. spot right in between. So who knows? I just keep going back to N'Kobe Dean, you know? Nobody ever thought he would have fallen in the third round, so you sure. just never know. Question for you. At 26, yep. say these two players, the Cowboys are on the clock. These two guys are on the board. Robinson, Michael Mayer. Where do you go? Robinson. I think i go Michael Mayer there. Hmm. John? It's close. I'm sorry. Who are you talking about? Michael Mayer or who? Bijan. Bijan. Oh, Bijan Robinson. Easy. And oh, I love Michael Mayer. Yeah, yeah. I'm way higher on Michael Mayer than most people. Yeah, I didn't know who you were talking. I thought you were talking about someone else. Can't. Uh, I would take. I would take Bijan there. Bijan. Bijan doesn't play a position. That's the thing. He, like yeah. he's he's a playmaker, and Michael Mayer plays a position. I think that's the biggest difference there. I would take B. I would take Bijan. And then the other thing about both of them is that they're going to check off every box for the off the field stuff. Like they're yeah. every the both both those guys are are great in that aspect. And I mean Jerry Jones's grandson plays at Texas. I mean he's going to know Bijan Robinson as well as any team. Point. So I think that that I, I just man I just think that would be too tough for Jerry to pass on. I can I could see where you're coming from, Kent, and like guys in the room, some scouts, and maybe some other mm-hmm. people talking about how. This is better value, you know, for Mayer that, like I said, because I think M- Michael Mayer plays 10 years in the NFL where Bijan Robinson, bless you, where Bijan yeah. Robinson, maybe, maybe get you five, six good years. But man, I just think those five, six years could be, especially with this team, you just add him in there. I just, yeah, could be man, special. he just helps yeah. everybody. He helps Dak. He helps the receivers. He helps the offensive line look better. Like Passing he game, helps Tony Pollard. Game. He makes Mike, he makes Mike McCarthy look like a better play call. I mean, everything just ratchets up with him you know so but you know what was interesting today during that press conference someone asked about running backs in the first round and mike says well i've never taken a running back in the first round so i know that you're because you know there's that point where all three are sitting on this on this stage and you're kind of like well who's he asking the question to and he's like so you must not be asking me you must be asking steven or it was just interesting that he pointed out like i've never been on a team that took a running back in the first round you know yeah um let's kind of go lightning round here uh what, what would you be most if we get to saturday morning you're like, what do we need to get that they didn't get? Like, what position do they really have to hit? They only have seven picks, as we know right right now. Like, what absolutely do they have to hit? Left guard. Uh, you got to get somebody at left guard. You know, in my mock, I had him taking Anthony Bradford at LSU, and I can't remember if it was the fourth or fifth round, but somewhere in that in that you know early day three. You know, you need to get something at left guard, and I feel like you got to get something to help run stop at defensive tackle. If you can do those two things, I think that the rest, you can kind of let it fall in place. As you mentioned, KT, corner certainly uh, would make a lot of sense, wide receiver, and then I think running back is is a big need too, just because you'd like to get a bigger back to pair with Tony Pollard uh, going forward. But really, to be honest with you, throughout this entire draft, outside of quarterback and safety, I think you can draft anything. Yeah, I think... think Go ahead, Todd. I was just going to say, like, to the running back thing, like, I, I do think, like, you know... You don't always have to have the smash and dash, but it but it but it helps. And 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 if you have the dash already, it's easy it's easier to get the smash on the on second and third second or third day. So I think those guys like we're talking about Bijan, we're talking about Tony Pollard. Those guys go at a higher premium. And I think if you're just trying to get you know a, a guy that gets you short yardage and kind of compliments Tony Pollard in that way, I think that's more of a second third round. So if you're talking about you get to Saturday. Um, I think I would I would probably wait for for I would look for a running back at that point. I think what what John said about about left guard and defensive tackle, I agree completely with that. But I would also be a little concerned if we got to day three and they haven't addressed those two because 
I like I don't really want like I think left guard is like I I said for me like you know even in the first round I'd be down with that uh, day two at least like I would like to see a left guard somewhere uh, I don't want to get to day three and you're just drafting complete projects at, at left guard I agree with you man but doing all these mock drafts I'm telling you the problem is that you get blown out where you don't really have anything you love at left guard and then you're taking your fifth or sixth left guard over like your eighth corner who, you know, like for example, in one of mine, I end up taking Darius rush out of South Carolina. I mean, he's got the size, uh, the arm length, everything that the Cowboys look for uh, was tr- all the fans will fall in love with the whole Trayvon Diggs thing. He was a receiver sure. that, tr- that, that transitioned over to corner. Like there's just a lot of guys that are there. And if they didn't take a tight end in the first round, like KT said, like a Laporta or somebody like that sitting there that you're just like, damn, this is pretty good value here. Are you going to take your fifth or sixth best guard when, let's be honest, that guard might not even be as good as Connor McGovern. And so even in the second or third, you still might be looking at a guy that you're like, well, he's here. I just, I don't know. It's just tough. It's tough with that position because you just don't know if outside of taking one at, you know, 26, you're going to be some projecting there. Did they bring in the uh, NC State kid, Chandler Zavala? You know, I don't. I don't think. That that, I don't think they did, but I know that he's one of those guys that's up there. I, I think Dane has him as one of the top what five or six guards in this class. So mm-hmm. yeah, his dad is a, a Food Network celebrity, by the way. Um, oh well, that bumps him up around. What about absolutely. this guard or center at guard? Do you worry about his? You know, <laughs> what about this guard center uh, flex player uh, from Minnesota, John Michael Schmitz? Another guy who sounds like a country music. Star. Maybe a second. Maybe a second. Second day. Uh, you know, type player. Yeah, him could, and no, could be effort. Both the country guys on day two. That's yeah, center and, one, and that would right? make a lot. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I just think that I th- I'm pretty sure he's looked at as more of a center. Where that Steve Avila from from TCU is just perfect because left guard's probably his best spot, but he's also got some experience at center. So then you know you get to Sunday and you got to trim down how many offensive linemen are active, eight or nine, whatever. You got your backup center as, as as your left guard, and you really trust him. That's something that this Cowboys offensive line's been missing. Like he is, he would be such a great pick. To, man, that's you want to talk about dream scenarios. It's Avila falling to them in the second round. Like man, yeah. if they could pull that off, what what a what a great draft that would be. I'm interested in. I said this earlier, and this might have less to do with the Cowboys, but I'm just interested in how things go. I was fascinated on, it was like Saturday afternoon, I saw that at least one of the big uh, sports books in Vegas, Caesars, had changed the number two overall pick to Will Levis. Mm-hmm. Now, I was in Houston last week with a couple guys who cover the Texans pretty closely, and they were like, I don't think we're taking a quarterback at number two, um, which is interesting. It'd be a wild uh, thing for Houston to do to pass on that, but who knows? You know, Maybe they were right, maybe they were wrong. I mean, it's Houston. They know what to do, man. So just Demico Ryan's maybe like tank it up for Caleb Williams, right? That might be the plan. But what's fascinating about all of that? I saw the Levis thing. The CJ Stroud score on the S two cognition test comes out, (sighs) which, by the way, I kind of buy into that. It is amazing. I know, I know, it's early, but they've never had a guy score well on that and play well. So there's something about that poorly and play well. Yeah, score poorly on the S2 and play well. You said score well and play well. Yeah, yeah, I meant, sorry. They never had a guy who take the S2, suck at it, and then go play good in the NFL. Now, it's early, small sample size. We don't like going off small sample sizes ever. But for Bryce Young to go get a 98% on that thing, for uh, CJ Stroud to get an 18% on that thing is interesting to me. And I know what the old guard is going to say. I know what a lot of basic people will say. And I get that, and I understand this. Well, what are they doing on that test? They're just doing rapid read and reaction things on a laptop computer. I get it. That's not football. I'll watch the football. I would say the things that do match up about CJ Stroud are read and reaction type stuff. Yeah, like when he when he's asked to read a full field and things like that, you go, okay, I see the issues there. What cowboy I, do you think of when you think of bad Wonderlick scores? Goes to Mo Claiborne, right? Absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> I I don't know if I care so much about the Wonderlick, but I do this with quarterbacks because it is made specifically for the quarterback and how fast you can read and react to things. Uh, let me hold on. Let me add to that real quick. To me, though, also, it's the no one's dinging you for being in the 50th percentile. It's when you're just 
you know, like again, like the wonder, like the the Morris Claiborne getting a four when it's just so incredibly bad. I don't know how. Like you can publicly say all the the right things, but I don't know how a team, especially if you're investing a high first round pick, doesn't look at that and go, "All right, makes me a little nervous." Yeah, and I bet not every team even like cares about that thing. There'll sure. be some that care about it way more than others. Yeah, like no one's talking about Anthony Richardson's forty six percent on that test. Like okay, yeah, that that, that about matches up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see it. They're like CJ Stroud, what? And then all I think of a it's interesting. I think it's interesting when it's really bad or really good. Yeah, like Vince so, Young was really surprising. Like like when 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 he scored on his, that was that was kind of like a red flag to me. He scored but his well. Was the, was the Wonderlick though, right? Yeah, the Wonderlick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the S two is like, it's yeah. it's just it's basically playing a computer game. <laughs> it's it's on a laptop. You're you're moving things and reacting in quick seconds, and it's based on which diamond. It's almost like a you know severance. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if y'all have seen that show or not. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how fast you're moving things and how fast your mind sees it, and then you react to it. I'm fascinated by that, and I kept going, okay, is that going to kill C.J. Stroud's draft stock? Yeah. Surely not the 26. No. But we get in a fun little world where we start going, okay, well, I want a quarterback. Well, now I'm kind of like, we want quarterbacks to go, and that pushes other players back. We also like, maybe you want a quarterback getting to 26. And if quarterback gets to 26 and another team can move up, that's your ideal. If you could get back into the second round and take Steve Avila at a comfortable spot, I Hell thought you yeah. were trying to get Steve CJ. I thought you were trying to get CJ Stroud on the Cowboys. No, 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 no. Uh I don't I can't have him. I can't you gotta do better on that test that I'm now going with. Dude, we all thought Brock Purdy was a goober. No one thought he was gonna be good. He 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 aced the test. You know? Doc, that's right, kind of look, we, we actually have a bit of a track record of looking at guys who were actually pretty good based on how they did on this test. It's like I said, I really don't. I means. don't care for most of it, but it is it is it is interesting when you see like one score. You're just like, whoa, that's bad. Well, what are you doing if you're Houston? If you're two, Bryce Young goes one. What are you doing? Who cares? You're Houston. Just do something. You're I well, mean, no, but you're in charge here. I mean, in this scenario, yeah, but it's for, oh, me, me? for me, Will Anderson. Yes. It, okay. I don't okay. like. I'm a bad person to ask because it's funny because people are like critical of like what what kind of project quarterback could the Cowboys get on day three? Um, I don't like the quarterback they could get if they had pick three. So that's, obviously I'm not going to yeah, give you right. anything great. So that's, yeah, Will that, Anderson for sure. Yeah, that's the thing about quarterbacks though. Like, it's the ultimate example of like you can't just go just because you need a quarterback. So you're going to draft one because it's number two. Like. Like that's when you end up with like you know the Jake Locker and or uh, you know Christian Ponder that whole yeah. draft because because that's what happens when you do that like you have to be very confident and I have you know like I actually respect to some degree what the Bears did when they moved up to go get Trubisky it didn't work out it wasn't a good draft pick but at least you at least you scouted the guy you had conviction you went up and got your guy now your your scouting was off and that's whatever but like at least you weren't just like well. We're here at number three. We have to take a quarterback because we don't have one. And so now we'll take Trubisky. It's like, I, I don't really have a lot of respect for that. Where I, I do have respect if you go up and get your guy. <laughs> I, he, he was on that Pro Bowl roster in 2016, Trubisky was. <laughs> and I'll never forget because I, I went and covered it because obviously the Cowboys had a lot of guys. And I remember they were wrapping up media availability after one of the practices and he was leaving. I was going to ask him a quick question. I just remember him being like, nah, man, I already answered like a bunch. I got to get going or whatever. And I didn't care at the time or whatever, but I look back and I occasionally I'll be like, no, Mitch, probably <laughs> hang out here as long as possible. Cause you're never going to experience this again. You probably don't want to go <laughs> back in the locker room or anything. Just hang out here for a while, man. It just soak <laughs> this in. Well, to be fair, those leaked scores or whatever, the creator of the test a few hours ago said that at least two of the scores that got leaked are not true. Okay. So interesting, but it's another layer to kind of some of the fun that'll happen on draft time. Um, Kent on air producing on the fly. What's our little draft uh, schedule here? How are we going to do this? We're We're going to come back Sunday. Yeah. We're going to come back uh, after the draft and do an entire recap of the draft. So we'll let the draft happen and then we'll just, cover it all in one big draft recap episode and we'll see where we are 
All right, and should we be paying attention to any uh, draft coverage uh, here from The Athletic here? What do you got for us? Yes, absolutely. Make sure you're subscribed on The Athletic Football Show YouTube. Watch us live. We'll be covering the Cowboys picks, and uh, it'll be a good time. But if you're in DFW and you're driving around, listen to KT on the radio. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Um, All right, anything else? Closing words? Anyone get one last shot here? What do you think? Oh, good. I think it's going to be Mike McCarthy draft. I think, it's I th- I think the Cowboys are. I, I think the Cowboys are in a good spot where you know they they. I think the two moves they made with moves they made with Gilmore and Cooks really puts them in a secure spot to where they don't have yeah. to draft for need. And I, I think that's the best position you could be in going into for the draft. I'd be very surprised if they traded up in the first round. I, I could see them trading back or just staying right there. I just cannot see them trading up just because I think they need all the picks they can get. <laughs> just because of the contracts with Dak and Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, they need as many picks going forward as they can have to fill out the rest of this roster. So um, even to move up from 26 to 20, you're giving up a third round pick. I just, I can't see them doing that. I think they need every pick that they have here. And right now it's one in each, each of the seven rounds. Going to be quite a fun time for father, John Mishota. Keep following his stuff. On the athletic, Saad Youssef in the middle of a hot Stars playoff chase. Series tied at two as we record here on Monday evening, the 24th. Make sure you're following Saad as well. And our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm KT. We will see you after the draft, and we'll chop it all up next time on About Them Cowboys.